great song. I love that song. And that is um, with our guest today that we have with us in the studio today, Kimon Kirk, who um, is currently, I believe you're still in L.A. I'm hoping you are. And uh, I know that you are recording new music, and that is one of his newest tunes. I'm going to let him talk a little bit about that. But that's with um, Amy Mann, and uh, he's worked with some amazing people. Um, Kimon Kirk um, is a L.A.-based singer. He's a songwriter, a bassist, album producer, and uh, worked with some of the great people. Also, one of our guests that we've had on many times, Alejandro Escovedo, and uh, quite a few other people. And I love that he worked with Lorena, um, uh, looked, worked with uh, different people on here. I'm seeing all the different names. But anyway, let's bring um, Kimon into the studio as well as um, our, my co-host, Spencer Drake. And we are going to start our show. And I know that are is everybody there? Yeah. Yeah. Hello. Yep. Oh, great. Yeah. So that song is so pretty. It's really a pretty song. It's got a great melody. Um Thank you. We we both love it. And uh Aww. I have two other songs. No, no, no. We both we both we do. And um, Oh yeah. <laughs> we have I have side B um, for that as well, and also that two-minute song. I'm waiting for it to upload. Oh my God, that that like short song. That is like so good. Did you hear it, Spencer? It yeah, it's really the rockabilly. Great. The like, one that has a little yep. more of a rockabilly sound yeah. to it. Yeah, <laughs> right. Did you hear it? Oh, oh I loved it. cool. Loved it. Loved it. Um, and, and by the way, um, by the way, come on. We both like the video. The video that goes oh, with the video is really video. great. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much. Very, very oh, cool. So you Thank guys. you. Yep. Yeah. Oh, so, pleasure. so, Kimon, I wanted to ask you, um, on that song that we just played, that's one of your mm-hmm. newest releases, and um, the video is out on, on uh, YouTube, guys. It's under Baby yeah. Who Knows, and again, it's Kimon, it's K-I-M-O-N, and then Kirk, K-I-R-K. So just type that into YouTube, and then Baby Who Knows, and you can see the video and hear the song. Um, could you tell us a little bit about that song and what your inspiration was for that? Sure, yeah. Um, I started that song, man, a number of years ago. Like, uh, I was living in L.A., Mm, 10 years ago for the first time and I was I live mm-hmm. here again now but uh, I hadn't for several years but um, and I was working on this song idea um, kind of about I was imagining someone that I knew that maybe ended up settling down with someone that we felt was maybe not the right person for them to settle down with and um mm-hmm. I don't know, started playing with a little bit of a melody and I got a line or two. And what ended up happening was that I was like, you know, I got stuck in the song. I couldn't figure out, I knew I needed a chorus and I couldn't mm. figure out what it should be. Because <laughs> uh, I know I kind of had sort of had a wordy verse or two. And I was like, I got to do something that's going to be sort of tuneful, but sort of concise at the same time. 
And I had worked on a song with Amy Mann before a few years prior, and she had mm-hmm. just done this amazing mm-hmm. thing where I had had basically the same dilemma. I had started a song, and I was getting to the place where I knew I needed a good chorus, and I couldn't mm. come up with one. And so mm. I asked her if she'd be willing to take a listen to it, and she came over, and she immediately like picked up the guitar from me, and she was like, well, what about something <laughs> like this? And I was like, whoa, that's so, so, so wow. this happened prior to that's a song, and then, and that, exactly, that's Amy, and and she did the exact same thing with Baby Who Knows, and she, like, I had the last line before what ended up being the chorus, and she was like, what about, like, she was like, I'm hearing, like, Baby Who Knows, da 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 and I was like, whoa, and so sometimes it just takes a little, wow. you know, somebody else's perspective to yeah, unlock exactly. what ends up you know, working really well. And I think probably anybody who's worked in any kind of collaborative, creative capacity has probably experienced that, you know, and it's just like, oh, here's a perspective I never would have taken for whatever Mm -hmm. reason. And she just kind of had the perfect thing at the perfect moment. And so I sort of took it from there. I added a little bit more, wrote a bridge, and then there it was. And uh, she was... That's awesome. uh, Nice enough yeah, to, to be willing to sing on it, and and she helped with the video too, which was great. And um, oh, yeah, awesome. I'm, I'm, it was a it was a really fun fun collaboration. So thank you so much for it's a pretty uh, asking song, about it. I, isn't it fun? Oh, it's so, beautiful. Isn't it a pretty it's really song? Got, yeah, it's got a great yeah. melody. Yeah. It does beautiful melody. It's got a really good really, melody. Yeah. You know, it really intrigued me about not only the song and, and the people that you've worked with is that you um, also do a lot of, um, you do symposiums. You have lectured quite a lot on songwriting and music performance um, at Berkeley yeah. College of Music and Georgetown and Boston and Suffolk University. Yeah. I mean, that's like an honor. Um why don't we start, oh. like, why don't you talk a little bit about yourself and about what you've done and bring us up to date, and then we have some of the questions for you. So, okay. um, sure. what did you play last night? How'd that go? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for asking. Uh, I played last night in the San Fernando Valley uh, at a, it's actually kind of a new restaurant slash jazz club mm-hmm. that's owned mm-hmm. by a an engineer uh, out here whose name is Manny Marroquin. And I don't. Mm-hmm. I just met him last night for the first time, but he um, is friends with a, nice guy. an artist that I play with. He's a really nice guy, mm-hmm. um, and mm-hmm. he has a studio that's right next to this restaurant. So they've sort of built this kind of fancy restaurant slash music listening area, and they, the whole room is very treated in a kind of. It's got like sixty speakers hidden in the ceiling, and you don't know where oh, they that's are. Awesome. And yeah. like apparently, it's mm-hmm. made so that you know you can listen to music and have dinner, but not hear other people making noise and clinking forks and glasses and stuff. Um, but wow. I played there Are you playing there again tonight? I'm actually playing there tomorrow night. Okay. Tonight, but so tomorrow. Look, okay. So tomorrow night. Um, okay. I'm playing t- tomorrow. The cool. restaurant is called Verse, V-E-R-S-E. Okay. And then I'm actually playing again on Sunday there, but with a slightly different ensemble uh, with a, a great artist that I, I play bass with named Gabby Moreno. And um, uh-huh. so 
Yeah, that's where I played last night. And uh, it was with my good friend Sebastian uh, Imans, who plays drums, and um, Michael Eisenstein is the guitar player. And we just kind of play instrumental tunes, um, some original things, some kind of old jazz things, like like 50s, 60s era jazz, like Melanie oh, nice. and Charles Ming- Mingus and stuff. That's when I love and then, that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the golden era, kind of. Um, <laughs> it's <that's> nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then like some why don't we, some kind of yeah yeah other stuff. I would love to talk. What we want to we both want to hear a little bit about how you started out and some of the people that you worked with and the band um, that you played okay. with that yeah. um, you sometimes appear with, right? Um, you do some the stuff with uh, the Mids Holly. Yeah. The Mids. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, my band that I play music with, uh, particularly when I'm in Boston or on the East Coast, are called The Meds, um, and mm-hmm. they're four amazing musicians that I've known for a long time, and they're all Boston-based players. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. And I, let's see, the one that I've known the longest is the drummer who appears in, they all mm-hmm. appear in the Baby Who Knows video, so you've seen all of them. Um, yeah. They're yeah. all same guys yeah the drummer's got a guy called john sands and he has played with tons of people he plays with laurie mckenna but he also has been amy mm-hmm. mann's touring drummer since the 90s um since before she left boston and moved to los angeles so they've been mm-hmm. sort of partnered for a long time and it was through john that i met and got to tour with amy back in like 2007 i think um, oh, how cool and so he's been a great oh my gosh, just like a kind of a great big brother figure to me. And just, I've learned so much from playing with him. He's an amazing drummer. And so we've played with, with, you know, other artists over the years. Um, The guitar player in the band is an amazing young guitarist named Lyle Brewer, who lives in Boston. And he's, I think maybe, I don't know if he still is, but for a little while, he was the youngest guitar faculty member at Berklee College of Music. Um, Kidding. He's wow. a real a hot shot. Really cool. Yeah, and he's he uh, is a great guitar player who has worked with a lot of different people and has a solo career where he plays a lot of solo guitar and records his own albums. I produced a record of his mm, five, six, seven years ago. Um, mm-hmm. And we like a lot of the same music, and he... He likes old rock and roll and rockabilly, but he's a great jazz player. He's a great country player, but he's also like kind of a rock guy. And so he can cover a lot of territory and we all like a lot of different kinds of music. And the keyboard player in the meds is an equally incredible musician named Jamie Edwards, who also has been touring with Amy Mann since I think 2006 um, and plays on all of her records and has also done stuff like he also plays with Laurie McKenna. And he's worked, he's been on tour with Rufus Wainwright for the last couple of years in his band. Um, and he's worked with Sarah Bareilles and Sarah McLaughlin and people like that. Oh, wow. And, oh, incredible. Um, he's really, and he's worked a lot with a big producer called Bob Rock from Canada. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. kind of does a lot of recording projects that that guy produces for people as diverse as like the cult and Michael Bublé and stuff like that. So oh. Jamie's oh, I a, a love real Michael. I do. I like Michael. I do. <laughs> and I, you know what, I Holly? I love the cult. Cool. I'm a big cult freak. By yeah, the and way. the cult too. Yeah. The cult. There you go. You know. We, 
Um, that's, that's so cool. How diverse yeah. is that? Yeah, come on. I I want to ask you a question. You did some, uh, uh, Holly and I will bring it up, of course, some producing also, right? You produced for some really great singers. Tell us about that. Sure. Um, Yeah. Well, let's see. This started for me maybe, boy, six or seven years ago, maybe, maybe a little more. Um, I produced a couple of records for some friends um, and loved doing it. Um, And let's see. Most recently, I'm actually finishing up a production of a new record for a great artist called Amy Correa, who used to be based in New York City, um, and she's now in Los Angeles, and we've played together for over 10 years now, and she's going to be coming out with an EP that we just mixed in Nashville, um, but that we recorded in Boston with the band that she had there, Um, and I love her work. Uh, Produced a record for kind of a, a, a very... Uh, long in the tooth Boston rock and roller uh, who's just been sort of a, a legend in the Boston music community for a long time, a guy named Dennis Brennan. Um, and he, boy, I mean, he's been making music in New England, I think, since the seventies at this point. Um, and he's just got an amazing band with these two spectacular guitar players in Boston, a guy called Duke Levine and another player named Kevin Barry. And they both play with Peter Wolf a lot and in the wow. Jay Giles band and um, tons of cool people. And Dennis is just, uh, you know, he's, he's just an incredible singer, incredible songwriter. He just, he, I've, you know, he, he gives his all all the time and he's, he's, he loves and knows like every aspect of American music, I feel like. And, and so getting to work with him is like a real, I don't know. For me, it was a great honor and to work with this whole band who are all equally, you know, accomplished, um, was sort of a real, uh, a real high point for me, uh, as a musician who was based in Boston or anywhere for that matter. And, um, so, oh, you know, yeah. those guys, like, they're, they're real rock and roll fans and soul music yeah. fans and country music fans and rhythm and blues fans, and they love jazz. And so, and I love all of that stuff. And to be able to work with people who can kind of authentically do that, in my opinion, is just like the most fun thing ever. So, you, you know, mm-hmm. you talk about, I, I want to bring up something. Uh, Holly and I uh, got the Songs for Society CD. First thing I want to oh, mention. Yeah. My good friend, and you won't believe this, Gail Meyerowitz, we, we, we judged together in CD packaging. Ah. And, of course, she designed Amy Mann's, uh, I think, Grammy-winning package, right? And yeah. uh, we're very good friends. I want to tell you that I like the design of it, that's uh, CD. Oh, and, uh, I wanted to bring you. that up because uh, uh-huh. Gail is very close with, uh, close with me and my life, and uh, she's a great designer. Oh, cool. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's pretty. Yeah, yeah. She's very yeah, she's, nice. I mean, yep. Oh, I'm so glad. Thank you. Uh, Gail is wonderful, as you know, and uh, I met her through Amy, through Amy Man. Yeah, and uh, she's actually going to be doing the design for my my new record that's going to be coming out in that's right you know, later this year. <laughs> so uh, yeah, that's anyway, awesome. Just, I, we we've been in touch, and uh, I, I'm going to be sending her some stuff actually later this afternoon. So. Um, yeah, Gail Marowitz, the, Gail Marowitz, a.k.a. the visual strategist, is tremendous. Um, yeah, tell her I said um, hello, by the way, when you communicate. I right? will. So, yeah, definitely, you know. Absolutely. You know, you know what Absolutely. I thought? You know what I thought could would be fun? It's only it's only like um, less than two. It's like two minutes. I want to play that song. 
<laughs> oh, great. <laughs> the fun That's great. Song. Yeah. Let's sure. play it in between real quick. And then you can yeah, tell us great. a little bit about why this. you wrote it because it's really fun. Okay. Is that cool? Oh, good. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah absolutely. That's very cool. Okay, all right, let's play it. Hold on, guys. You're going to hear this one. <laughs> it goes from Baby Who Knows to this one, and then the one that we end with is really pretty, too. Okay, so listen to this one. This is great. I love it. I was a fool for your love. It's also got that, which you mentioned, this, that rockabilly type thing, you know? 
For sure. Yeah, it yeah. does. Well, I can tell you, I, I was I wrote that does. song after I went to Memphis, Tennessee for the first time. Uh, wow. I don't know, yeah. maybe six six years ago. Did you go to Elvis's place. <laughs> you know what? I actually, I just did actually. I was did just in Memphis like three oh, weeks great. ago. Wow. I did. Oh. I went to Graceland oh, for the God. first time last month. Yeah. Um, and really oh, liked my it. Gosh. But so I love, you know, yeah. I love music from Tennessee in general. And Memphis was really inspiring, actually, just to be able to to go to Sun Records and go to Stax and just kind of feel mm-hmm. a little bit you know, of what it might so true. have been like. So yeah. true. So well, the, you're right. Have. You know, this, the album Song for Society, you have that cut. You have sort of like the country cut in there, you know, that. Yeah. It's yeah. really great. I mean, you've got, but you know, what really song. blew my mind when I listened to the album. What blew my mind was all the songs were mm-hmm. good. First of all, I mean that mm-hmm. Holly and I listened to so many CDs and it's very, you know, you don't get that many that all the songs are good. A lot, of, you know, what I mean, a lot of fillers. This album you put out was really good, by the way. Well, thank you. I can't thank wait until this next one comes out. Yeah. But yeah. now you sound like yeah. Elvis. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, peanut butter and banana sandwich. You know what? The peanut <laughs> butter and yeah, banana. No, there I you know. go. I know. <laughs> um, what's well, really funny yeah, that, so is Memphis, I Memphis to, inspired that song. Wow. Well, I have great. to tell you a really funny story. It's so good. I used to mm. go over... I used to go over to Deanna, who was very DeBrian um, Setzer at the time. And um, it was uh, his son's birthday, who was like my daughter's age at the time. And um, Lisa Marie was there because she was really close to Deanna. And she loved, we, we all became friends and she loved, and we used to hear them, we used to hear Brian do little tiny riffs and, Whenever his son would ask him a question, he would answer him in like a, a one-minute song or a two-minute, you know, whatever. So that is so cool. I just think this is really, you know, something. So, yeah, I I think this is a great – don't you think maybe it could even be used for a film, Spence? Like, could, you yeah. know, a, a scene yeah, that, in a yeah, film? It could, it could yeah. It, it has that – you're right, because it has that – first of all, it's totally what I call out of the box. Yeah. It's it's you don't yeah. you, you never heard anything like this before and it's so creative. I, I agree. It would be a great structure for something as a soundtrack mm-hmm. for film in some way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something. Anyway, well, let's get back. Let's get back to what the other <laughs> stuff. So, when is the when is your new album coming out? When are you thinking that that's yeah. going to be released? I am hoping that it's going to be ready by May, if I can pull that off. It's kind of yeah. going to depend on okay. whether whether I can kind of get physical copies in hand by then. Um, yeah. But I'm finishing up mixing it right now, and then it will get mastered, and Gail's going to do the artwork fairly soon, I think. And so, you know, it all is kind of going to depend on how soon I can get it to the printers, you know? Um, and cool. I, I, I Are you going to do vinyl? about it. You know, I'm gonna. Are you gonna I do think some I vinyl am. For it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you should. I would. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Do it, do it. So. I would love to see a vinyl. Yeah, vinyl for this yeah. would be Could cool. I, yeah. 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 Wow. That's, no, that's a that's well, a goal. So, so I, I hope that will happen. 
May. Okay, May. We're gonna we're gonna look for Shooting it, for and May. we'll have you back yeah. after it comes out. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, you know what I wanted to ask you was, um, so you worked with so many different artists, and you know we love Alejandro, and um, mm, you know his too. style is <laughs> style is so cool. Um, yeah. What influences you in like your music? What what music have you been listening to and what did you listen to when you were growing up? Hmm. Well, I love that question actually. So thanks for asking. Um, I, I guess a lot of different things as maybe most musicians do. And most people I came up, my parents were both classical musicians. So they went to wow. kind of conservatories and, and they were classical flutists and they kind of did that through the mm-hmm. graduate level. So there was always a lot of classical music in the house. Um, Love it. But then I also had, yeah. And so kind of the only kind of rock and roll or pop-oriented records were Beatles records. So right. I loved, loved Beatles, yeah. you know. And so yeah. classical music and Beatles. And then I was also lucky in that, or I feel lucky, I had two uncles, uh, my dad's brothers, one of whom was a drummer in like a rock and roll band and my other uncle worked for a great uh, rock and roll band called NRBQ. Um, oh, my God. I did work for them. I did design for them uh, in my early days. Uh, ah. uh, come on. And they're great. They were like, wow. You know what I mean? They were like, yeah. Like, so to me, those guys are uh, like I, I grew up kind of worshiping them from a really young age and they were wow. kind of the first real rock and roll music I ever saw live. I think I was 14 and they came, I was, I grew up in Boston and they came through, they would play in Boston maybe twice a year. And I saw them and it kind of rearranged my brain a little bit. Uh, it was like uh, really, cause especially at that age when you're first starting to really key into music, I think, you know, as a mm-hmm. junior high, you know, and, and rock and roll is, if, you're, if you like that, it's starting, you know. So I'd been listening to the Beatles, you know, and Led Zeppelin and The Doors and everything like that. Uh, but then... NRBQ sort of entered the orbit and they were so such amazing musicians, but also were so kind of not precious about their approach that I started collecting a lot of records and through them, I kind of discovered jazz music and started listening to Thelonious Monk and, and Mm -hmm. Sun Ra and Charles Mingus and Ornette Coleman a lot. So that was a big deal for me. And then, and I really got into old country music. Um, so did you? Uh, yeah, in a big really? way. So wow. like, yeah. Um, and then I don't know. I remember one of my uncles gave me a copy of the Stevie Wonder record called "Music of My Mind," which is like the first solo mm-hmm. record of his where he p- plays all the instruments by himself. Right. Yeah. In like mm-hmm. 1970 or 71, I think, and that I grew to really love deeply and still to this day is actually kind of like a, you know how like you kind of like have just sort of a guiding touchstone sometimes that it's you like kind of keep men- coming back to. It mentored you. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. And I was just like, yeah. wow, what a statement by this artist, you know, who just had this vision and this idea and he plays everything so well and he writes so well and he sings so beautifully. And there was just something about the way the whole record felt that, 
I don't, you know, certain things just sort of stay with you, like a painting or something, and that was one of them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, There's a moment in time. A moment in time. Totally. Yeah. Totally, exactly. Mm-hmm. So it was a very impressionable age. It was about the time I first heard Pet Sounds by the Beach Boys. So I was like 16. Oh, wow. And that sort of, all of a sudden, yep. I was like, oh, I think maybe I'm going to put my Led Zeppelin records away for a little while now. <laughs> <laughs> and like, you know, it really changed the way I thought about what was, I love loud guitars and kind of aggressive rock and roll music, but also I was like, this is a whole new way of looking at songwriting and arranging right, record production. Right. And like it, it resonated on a very, very deep level for me as a, as a teenager. So that, and I would say kind of early, I was just rhythm and blues and soul music, you know, things from, from the South chess records, things from Chicago, yeah, yeah, chess, yeah. you know, and then as I got older, it, uh, like maybe during college, I started, like I was late to the kind of like 90s rock party, even though I was like coming of age at that time. I didn't listen to Nirvana or anything like that until after Kurt Cobain died, for instance. So I felt like I had some catching up to do to sort of check in with more contemporary music, but I eventually did, and I'm glad I did. I got really into Liz Fair's music in the late 90s. Uh, and then I became aware of Amy Mann. And so it was a total trip to get to, to work with her. Mm. So she was a, she's been a huge influence as a songwriter, as a lyricist, and just, yeah, I don't know. I guess everything kind of comes in and out, you know? <laughs> yeah, and you, and you know what no, happens. Come so on, you know, I think what happens so is as you, as you, as you, Go forward in music of learning. There are what you're talking about is certain albums like Pet Sounds or Zeppelin that this that the whole production thing changes and the whole you find these momentous things in music that affect you as a musician and you learn from yeah. that. You know, to certain albums yeah. that are very profound uh, as you grow up. So your your mind changes. You know, before I was into Zeppelin, oh my God. You know, Brian Wilson, da-da-da, you know, the whole thing. Yeah. No, it's very true. And your mind does change and, you you know, your tastes shift. Yes. And you, and when we're young, I think, you know, it's you're so caught up in the excitement of all of those ideas and those aesthetic choices and things like that. And, you know, I think it's important to have strong aesthetic opinions, especially when you're young, because that's how you create it's kind true. of a perspective right. artistically right. and... Wow. And now, honestly, I feel like as I've gotten a little older, I feel kind of more, in a way, I'm just more open to stuff <laughs> that I would have dismissed as a younger listener, right. and maybe right. even as a younger musician. And now I'm like, you know, everybody, everybody gets to like stuff for different reasons at different times. And, you know, who am I to say that mm. I don't know what a certain band isn't cool anymore because... I don't know. I've met so many musicians, just great musicians that I've played with, who after you've talked to them for a while, it turns out that they like something that you always thought was really lame or uncool or something. And then you go and listen to it again, maybe after not having checked it out for 15 years. And you're like, you know what? I think I understand a little bit more about why they like this and, and 
you know, it changes the way you think about something. Yeah. If someone that you really yeah. respect likes something, you know, <laughs> that's true. So much, that's yeah, true. yep, yep. You know what I wanted to um, ask was what what's in your uh, CD player right now? What are you listening to right this second? Besides your own stuff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you know you gotta listen to your stuff and say, Oh yeah, I'm gonna go in and change that but we wanna know well, what you're listening to right now. I'm looking on my phone, which is kinda of where I like and this is just mm-hmm. a little smattering. Let's see. There is a rec well, I have a Los Lobos record there. I have a Jimmy Jufri record from nineteen sixty one. Wow. There's oh wow! A Serge Gainsbourg yeah. record from the seventies. There's a record, so I have a. There's a really cool, um, very vibrant, sort of cutting edge kind of out jazz scene here in LA right now, and mm-hmm. I've got some friends who have, are putting out really cool records. Um, one of them is my friend, who's a guy named Paul Bryan, and he's a great bass player and producer he's been amy mann's main bass player and producer for almost 20 years now so he's played with her since 1999 and when i've worked with her as a bassist it's been in his stead so i first got to work with amy because paul went on tour with elvis costello and alan toussaint in 2007 uh and so but paul has been writing his own instrumental jazz music and it's like very cool so he's got a new record coming out in March, and I've been checking that out. There's a great guitarist here in LA named Jeff Parker, who has a new album out that this guy Paul produced, actually. Mm-hmm. Jeff plays in a band from Chicago originally called Tortoise, and they, it's kind of like, it's sort of like out jazz, indie rock kind of. I, I don't really know how to describe it, but it's actually quite melodic and cool. So Jeff Parker's great and someone who plays locally in my neighborhood a lot. So I get to see those guys play, which is actually quite inspiring, even though I'm not making music exactly like that very much. Right. Um, let's see. I've got a Captain Beefheart record called Clear Spot in the rotation oh, wow. at the moment, which I love. Yeah. Uh, there's a record by the French group called Air called Talkie Walkie <laughs> that I've wow. been listening to. There's a couple Charlie Rich records because I love Charlie Rich. Oh my God. Um, Dusty in Memphis. Did I mention that? And then uh, Duke Ellington right now is, is oh, wow. on, oh, I on, love the, Duke on the scene. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. You know who else I love that's never far away is uh, is Nick Lowe. Oh, he's and, great. Uh, he's great. Oh, I, love I Nick just Lowe. yeah yeah. I love Nick and man, his records over the last, particularly for me over the last 20 years have just been just an inspiration really. And really. Oh, oh by the of, way, you should know he's got a new album coming out. I just got a um, email from his record company. Oh, he's got, cool. Yeah. He's got a new album coming out. So be look for that. You know, I will look for that. Oh, really? And then on sort of oh, nice. the Nick Lowe tip, there's a guy that plays keys with him a lot. Who's a Welsh keyboardist named Jarrett Watkins wow. and I've been listening to his records and he's great he's got a new record out in the last year or two called Rush of Blood mm. and he plays with like he plays with Nick Lowe he I think he's played with Van Morrison over the years like he plays he's like plays with you know really cool 
UK uh, artists. And uh, my guess is, you know, he's probably in his late 60s or 70 or so, and he's just made a couple really cool records. So Jaron Watkins, yeah, he's around. That's great. Um, you know, I mean, just Beatles, Stones, Joni Mitchell. <laughs> Oh, I love the, it. What about the Blue album? Do you love Blue? That's I mean, my favorite album. how can you not love it? Yeah. yeah. Really? Oh my oh, god. Cool. Blue is like, Blue is like what I play when I, when I'm in that place and I really need to listen to something. I listen to Blue the whole album. Mm, there you go. Just, uh, so I mean, what a I piece of work. Victor, California. I mean, you know, yeah. that, that's oh, like, yeah. yeah. Love Blue. Yep. Totally. So she's amazing. And someone actually that I came to a little bit later, like I remember when I was a teenager, somebody put some Joni Mitchell stuff like on a mix cassette and gave it to me and I didn't get it. Mm. I was like, I don't know if this resonates with me. I think I, the voice was like off-putting at the time and I was, mm-hmm. I just didn't, didn't get it. And then somehow, luckily, I I don't know what happened, but I came back around or maybe somebody that I liked was mentioning her and I, and I listened again and something different clicked, you know? Yeah. And, uh, mm-hmm. and I'm so glad it did because just as a, I mean, as an artist, in, she just, I feel like she's just made her own thing, you know, right. she does it totally in she her has. own way. She's right. a painter. And, she's a yeah. painter yeah. too. I mean, she's a painter, right? Totally. Yeah. She's an artist. And, 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 oh, I wonder if that reference, I'm a lonely painter, I live in a box of paint. There you go. I wonder if that's about her in that, that song. That could be. I'm could, a lonely yeah. painter. Yeah. That's her. Yeah. I could see that. Wow. Yeah. And then, like, that's, that's, I feel oh, like she, great. I don't know, if are you guys into Prince at all? I love Prince. Oh, yeah, Prince. Oh, are I you love kidding? Prince. Prince is I have one of his necklaces, his personal necklaces. It's a piece sign made oh out of um, purple amethyst. It's I, I, huge. You know what? I got to tell you a Prince story. I, uh, this I review, is funny. Uh, I, I review for the you know City Winery in New York, and we we have our shows. Yeah. With a lot of musicians there. So anyway, I get invited. Prince is going to play at City Winery. It's like I think about two years ago, and so oh, I man. go down. I go down. You got to listen to the story. So I go down there. And it's like nine o'clock, and everybody's waiting, and uh, nothing appears. And then a lot of people leave, you know, because they're not concert people. You know, they're like regular, you know, come in and get a drink and eat. So, twelve o'clock, Prince comes on stage, well, and he played till about four or five in the morning. Okay. No <laughs> joke. Yeah, it was like, and I had that with the with the. Um, Jerry Garcia, uh, you know, the Grateful Dead, did the same thing at the film East. Mm-hmm. He came out at 12 o'clock and played the 6 in the morning nonstop. So Prince did the same deal, but most of the people left. There's about 25 people, I think, left because they're really? not like, you know, they're not, they're not freaks. You know, they're not like, they're Prince, but they're not like, you know what I mean, really, I wouldn't call them concert people. They're kind of like, they mm-hmm. come in, they have a drink, they want to listen to good music. It's a different crowd. But I got to tell you, I waited, and he came there. He came there, and I'll never forget that night. But he puts on a show live that was unbelievable, right? I mean, he is yeah. just you, – you, you don't forget it in your life. You know, there's totally. certain and, – and Holly's been through that, too, seeing great shows oh, yeah, that a Prince just concert don't forget, right? Is like, yep. 
No, you just don't. And the funny thing is um, uh, how I got the necklace. And, um, you know, a friend of mine was dating him, so we went back to his house. And uh, in his room, above his bed, he had this giant Bible that was, like, huge, you know, right above the bed. It was very strange, but not strange, but, I mean, it was very interesting. And, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, he he was a very cool guy. But I, he gave me, he, he handed me the necklace he was wearing, and um, it's a purple, it's, it's a peace sign. It's about the size of, like, oh, uh, maybe bigger than a softball. You know, <laughs> okay. About that, wow. that round. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, and it's a peace sign. It's all purple amethyst on a, wow, um, on a chain. That's amazing. It's gorgeous. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I know. How I cool. know. And How cool. I think and it was from the purple it was from the purple rain tour because it was during purple rain. Oh my gosh. So yeah, so Wow. I, I wow. got to bring in, I also got to bring in something we did a uh, Judith my partner yeah. Judith and I put up we have on YouTube uh, the Art of Vinyl cover show which I think I sent you come on um and yeah. in that show uh in the 45 uh-huh. section there's two sections 12 inch 45 uh, Judith and I were going through the covers, and as soon as we hit Prince, it's like there's a no-brainer. It's a nice cover, thank God, and it's like got to be in. You know what I mean? It's one of those things, you know, you got to put him in, you know. Uh, it's like uh, yeah. it's a no-brainer, you know. Mm. That's so he cool. He was so great. So yeah. we want to know what you're doing for the rest of the day. Are you recording the rest of the day? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I've got some mixing stuff. I'm kind of doing a lot of final, you know, little level tweaks. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to be working with that. And I've been working with a great mixing engineer out here that I've never worked with on my own material before, which has been really fun. Um, An engineer, his name is Daryl Thorpe. And he, um, Uh I had met him through a close musical friend out here like eight years ago, and he mixed a record that I produced for an artist in Boston named Kerry Schneider a long time ago, and I had always wanted to find a way to work with him again, and I sort of felt like this record of mine might just be the one that would be a really good fit. And um, anyway, so he ended up having an opening in his schedule. Like he, were, he's, he is kind of the main engineer for Beck these days, and he... Oh, wow. yeah. Uh, Cool. So he works on really cool sounding records. He's worked with this producer called Nigel Godrich a lot, who makes records for mm-hmm. like you know he's made Radiohead records and just kind of really cool audio experiences and and so yeah, it's been a gas for the last couple of weeks to be working with Daryl and he'll send me mixes and then I'll send him some notes and we'll make some adjustments and then having being in the same city is actually really convenient because I can drive over to the studio every once in a while and we can kind of make adjustments there. And, uh, so we're, it's very close. I, I guess yeah. that's what I'm yeah. trying to say. And, uh, and I'm, I'm really pleased and it's been a, just a really, uh, enjoyable and, and rewarding experience to, oh, I uh, can imagine. get to, get to work with them. So, yeah, yeah, you know, that's one thing I'm finding out about you is that you really are surrounded by really good people in all areas, and that's really incredible, you know. Well, I mean... No, I, I mean, with people he's working with, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. 
this this solo um, record of mine was really important to kind of like I really wanted to to do it the best I could. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I did a Kickstarter <laughs> campaign and raised some money to make the record, and uh, I'd never done that before, which was nerve wracking, uh, but but worthwhile, I think. And mm-hmm. I was just like having made records with other people. I think I was like I kind of feel like I have an idea of how I'd like to do this, and I feel a little a little more comfortable and confident right. in the process now and I want to try to to make one of my own and see if I can see if I can do it <laughs> that's great that's great well you know what we want to oh, say yeah. to you is we loved um, you know talking with you hearing what you're doing I know that um, this new album is going to be great when it drops yeah. and we would love to have you back um well, sure. And I know Thanks that, so much yeah. for yeah. having me. Sure, and, Oh, are you kidding? We both wanted you <laughs> here. Um, and I want to thank Spencer for bringing you on. Um, uh, I wanted to say we're ending with a song called Power Stroke. Do you want to talk a little bit about that before we play it? Yeah. Sure. Um, let's see. Power Stroke was one of those few songs, at least for me, that came out really like it just – when I started writing it, like it wrote itself in two hours and it was done. And that never happens to me. <laughs> um, so like, yeah, my, my songs usually take months and that one didn't. So that it's memorable to me in that regard. And um, I was kind of like having a long distance romance with someone that I had a crush on, but I kind of knew that the thing probably wasn't, ever going to really end up going anywhere. So it's a little bit of like a love song to someone and you knew you're trying to convince them of something, but you kind of know that it's never really going to happen. Um, mm-hmm. And also it was, but it was a good feeling, you know, there was a sort of catharsis to it. And um, I, I don't know, I was thinking about Brian Wilson and I was think I was probably thinking about the replacements a little bit, even though it probably doesn't sound that aggressive. But my friend Jamie Edwards, who's the keyboard player in my band, actually played the lead guitar and the solo on it because he's amazing and can play anything, apparently. Um, And then the drummer on it is a drummer who's been one of my favorite drummers since I was a kid, a guy called Ricky Bates, whom I knew from a band in Cape Cod called The Incredible Casuals. And uh, Mm -hmm. I just, it was an opportunity to make a song with some people that I'd always wanted to work with. And... uh, my friend Paul Coldery, who's a great engineer, mixed it and recorded it in a friend's basement in Boston, and there it was. So uh, wow, that's great. Wow. Um, well, we're gonna play I don't know. it. And yeah. Okay. <laughs> to to that to that long distance romance. If you're listening, oh, I want, what I wanted to say, I forgot. Um, if, uh, you missed the beginning of the show, it'll be available on iTunes and also on Red Velvet Media Blog Talk Radio as a podcast, and you can download it. And I know that, um, a lot of our shows have been picked up by so many different people. Um, they could just type it in and to the internet and you can download it pretty much from anywhere. You can listen to it. So if anyone wants to, if you tuned in late, you can catch the beginning and uh, do you have a website you can give it out real quick? I do, yeah. It's just chemonperk.com, all one word. My full name. Okay. Dot com. Okay. And, um, again, you're playing tomorrow night 
Mm-hmm. And Sunday, right? Sunday. You got it. Yeah. Okay. In and North um, they can California. find your. Oh, wow. Cool. Cool. Well, we both want to thank you so much for being here. And, Spence, did you have anything else you wanted to add? I uh, just. Uh... Just overwhelmed by your music, and Holly and I really want you back when you get your album coming out. So that's all. Yeah. That's all I want to say, and have a good gig. You know, next time. Thank okay. you very much. Well, thank you both so much. I, I really yeah. do appreciate oh, it. Oh no, it's yeah. Gonna, I, I don't get yeah, to do this pleasure. too much, so it was a gas. Thank you. Oh, thank we you. Love it. We, we love, love it. We love it. <laughs> and I want to say it's Friday, guys, and you know Spencer's gonna laugh. Please don't drink and drive. <laughs> um, I always have to end my shows with that. Public service to. announcement. Very good. Yeah. It's it, it's my it's me giving back to the universe, so I have to do that. And um, I wanted to say to everyone listening again, thank you so much for tuning in. And if you again um, tune in next week, we will be back on the air. And um, thank you for being here today with us. Yeah, yeah. And with that, I'm gonna play I'm gonna play Power Stroke and hopefully you guys can uh listen to this music for yourself. You can have it in your hands on um in May. And uh that single that we played, maybe it'll come out somewhere. You never know. Yeah, that oh, one yeah. keep That's your eyes peeled. Yeah. Yep. That's thank a good you. one. I love it. Thanks. Yep. Here you guys, you guys go, and thank you so much. And thanks, Spencer, for being here today. And uh, oh, thank, thank you, you for, uh, again, again, bringing Kimon to the show. I really appreciate thank it. You. Thanks thank you so much. Thank you, Kimon. Here you guys thank go. Thank you. See you later. Opportunity that landed right in front of me, almost like a smack in the face. A big ascending harmony that takes off like a mystery But always winds up in the right place I could feel it like a thunderbolt of Brian Wilson Power stroke of genius in an overdriven way An amalgamated siphoning A heart attack of time and summing everything you wanted to say Don't cry baby Take my hand and come with me Let me show you Cause I know you This is all you'll ever need It started as a hopefulness A glimmering I confess a sparkle from an older guitar
I was nursing A blessing and a cursing A novel from an earlier age It takes a while before it hits you But I never could resist you And I'm not about to turn the page 